Oh, it's nice to have the executive producer here for this episode. Mm-hmm. Normally, he just in. sends the intern. He's checking in, making sure everything's good. Yeah, making sure all the wires are hooked up. Directly. I feel like Lucy should be upgraded from an intern. She's also head of security, too. <laughs> she really is. I've never felt more safe when I use the potty. Look at yeah. her. She's guarding the stairs. Oh, as she should. Lucy, I'm going to need you later uh, after reading that Hatman episode. <laughs> right? Yeah. Y- Y'all are going to have to lay at the foot of the bed tonight. Yeah, I'm going to need you to be ominous at the end of the bed. <laughs> facing outward. Okay, goodbye, Salem. And then, anyway, <laughs> welcome to Creeps in the Crypt, everybody. As always, I'm Eric, and I'm joined by... Christian. Are you Sam. Are you all right? Yeah, no, I almost choked to death on an almond downstairs, but <laughs> it's it's okay. <clears throat> New fear unlocked. Uh, no, the fear unlocked for me was that Facebook post I saw about a snake getting into the plumbing on a guy's toilet and biting his hand when he went to raise the seat. Mm. It was like... A diamond back rattlesnake or some shit. This is why men have chest issues with lifting the seat, right? Is that the reason why? Yeah. I thought it was just laziness. Well, this. Thank God he wasn't like going to set down to take a shit, and the rattlesnake just bite him on the ass, bit him in the balls or something. Uh, I was going with the ass. Well, and here comes Salem again. Well, anyway, guys, we have a fantastic episode. For you today. I'm uh, excited. Um, we've covered Shadow People. We've mm-hmm. covered The Hat Man. Mm-hmm. And now we're doing a paranormal location. So I would consider Ooh. the Shadow People and Hat Man to be a paranormal, yeah. like, on the periphery of the paranormal. We don't quite understand what they are. They could be extraterrestrial. They could be interdimensional. It could be anything. Literally anything. But... Time and time again in places like where we're covering today, they show up. So, Sam, without further ado, let's get into one of the spookiest locations in all of West Virginia. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, which had changed names over the years and was known as the Weston State Hospital later in life. Operated from 1864 to 1994. I didn't know it was open that late. Oh, yeah. And it was being built before the Civil War. That's crazy. So when the Union came into West Virginia, they paused construction in 19, er, 1858. So they, they restarted uh, construction after the Civil War. Okay. Today, as it stands as a testimony to the inhumane practices once used in the mental health, sitting on, really? Yeah. Sitting on 666 acres, this spooky area is home to 13 buildings, including a museum, a gift shop where a few of the remaining employees still work, and an abandoned cemetery. So this place is just set up from Jump Street to be a spooky locale. Yep. Like you have 666 and the number 13 involved. That's crazy. I didn't know it was on that now, many acres. The, the developed part of the property is like 26 and a half acres. But okay. the property itself 
is 666 acres. That's wild. Like the buildings take up 26. Damn. Because <clears throat> they had their own like farm and three cemeteries. That's like uh, we did what Penhurst. Yeah. They had their own little operating like self-sufficient setup. Yeah, that's kind of what this was. When Ghost Adventures crew investigated Trans-Allegheny, Zach Bagans called it, quote, a recipe for trapped souls. And that's an interesting theory because, well, statement, because there's a theory out there called the stone tape theory, right? Stone tape? Stone tape. So there's certain types of rocks used in buildings that can record energy. Just like a tape records voices. Yeah. Um, certain like what clay pots mm-hmm. can too. So it has to be something with high quartz. And most of the stone that was used to build the asylum was sandstone. Mm-hmm. Sandstone quartz. Mm-hmm. So this is like perfect. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum opened its doors in 1864 just after West Virginia achieved statehood and just before the end of the Civil War. But construction continued for almost two decades more until the building was complete. On the outside, the Gothic and Tudor revival architecture looks ominous and foreboding, but its early days were quite the opposite. The hospital was built according to the Kirkbride Plan. A design plan created by psychiatrist Thomas Kirkbride that incorporated light, fresh air, and nature into the building. Where have we heard that before? Yeah. Waverly. Doorways were carefully positioned so that when open, sunlight would flood them. Open spaces for patients to gather to socialize and eat were plentiful. And even the grounds were landscaped in such a way that patients looking out windows would see only rolling hills and openness. Nothing that would suggest their hospital was also surrounded by gates to keep them locked inside. Art therapy and performances were part of the hospital's culture, and some patients reflected fondly on their experiences. Kirk Bride believed in physical activity as a form of patient therapy, and patients were afforded privacy, comfort, and dignity. In fact, the enormous building was initially designed to house no more than 250 people at a time. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum contained its own farm and dairy and fresh, nutritious food was available for all patients. One patient described their experience from the early days of the asylum as, quote, But I remember the Thanksgiving thing that was great. We had great turkeys, and the Christmas thing was wonderful. It was like a fairy tale atmosphere. You know what I mean? It's like I must be in heaven. I'm not in a nut house. I'm in heaven. End quote. He would be soon. Oh. Too soon? Too, too. Too soon Too for soon. Uh, a joke dating back to a quote from 1870, probably. Oh, hush. Mm-hmm. But the life at the asylum didn't stay that way for long. Well, the path it to never, hell is paved with good intentions. It never does. It, it never, never does. does. 
We wouldn't be talking about it if its ending had sunshine and rainbows and unicorns. Uh, don't this ain't that podcast. You moved the headstones, but you didn't move the bodies. Are Fucking you? poltergeist. Yeah, I was going to say. Oh. Listen, it's been a rough 24 hours for me. I right? Give me a break. Fair enough. Although the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum was built for 250 patients, it wasn't long before those numbers crept up with multiple beds crammed into rooms that were once cozy but quickly became crowded. As more and more people were admitted, the staff took incredible actions to house patients. In the 1950s, when the population swelled to 2,600 patients, Bed-sharing measures were implemented and effectively allowed people eight hours of rest before their beds were given to someone else. Jesus. Dude, they were, like, herded like cattle. They're sleeping in, like, shifts. <coughs> they have to. It's the only way. So you have people, like, just wandering the halls of this place 24 hours a day because you can only allow so many people in, in the room, and these rooms are small. Yeah. Like, they were nice rooms when only one person was in them, when there's three to four people in them. That's crazy. Overcrowding was in part due to the incredible variety of reasons people were admitted. While plenty of people suffered from mental illness, not everyone arrived for those reasons. Haley listed some of the surprising notes found in patient records, some were medical, such as asthma, rabies, and tuberculosis, which aren't actually mental illnesses. Others were strangers still, wives who were insubordinate to their husbands, indigestion, doubting one's ancestry, political and religious excitement, and being kicked in the head by a horse were also on the list. Dude, there was one person that was admitted for reading too much. Because oh they like to read too too much that they got admitted. Basically, if you had a family member you were fucking sick of, you'd just take them here and dump them off. Um, wife got too lippy, hurt your feelings. Well, she's she's hysteric. She she's hysteric, doctor. We gotta admit her. She's nuts. Jesus. Mm. So. If only things could be that she's easy got a for case, you. She's got a case of the brain scramblies. The brain scramblies. Someone said, quote, if you think about it, almost everyone would probably be admitted these days. Which, yeah. Who hasn't had a stomach ache, a fight with a spouse, or been upset about, you know, the political climate of today. Just uh, some dude with IBS. Oh, my gosh. He just, he just shits all the time, doctor. We have to... He, Listen. We're tired of cleaning up the poop. I got tummy troubles, I. I got tummy troubles. He can't eat he can't eat buffalo wings. It's crazy. I can't eat dairy. Well, we know you can't drink cryptid seltzers either. No. Mm-mm. No, I cannot. Not ones that look like the Loveland Frogman. A man could admit his wife for any reason. And if he decided to never bring her home, if, say, he started a new relationship, she remained as a ward of the state. Children often accompanied their mothers, and some children were born within the hospital's walls and were raised there. Other children were dropped off in front of the hospital as orphans. A big part of the hospital's history was written by people who should never have been there in the first place. This is so sad. Like, how... How traumatic 
is that, you know, it's, it's, you argue with a family member and they just take you there to make you go away, which happened all the time. Like, especially with prominent families, which the Kennedys being one of them. I'm going to say Rosemary Kennedy. So we'll have to do a full series on lobotomy or like a full episode on lobotomies and shit, but I'm down. Yeah, that would be that'd be a fun one to do. Cause you know these people got lobotomized. Oh, for sure. A hundred percent. Kirk Bride's belief that those who suffered from mental illness should be holistically cared for did not govern the Trans Allegheny Lunatic Asylum long enough. Controversial therapies, medications, and treatments altered the lives of patients and not always in a productive manner. Chlorprozamine? Yes. Chlorpromazine. Chlorpromazine. Also known as Thorazine. Was introduced to treat psychotic disorders, but was it was widely prescribed and often used to keep patients in a catatonic state. Similarly, laudanum? Laudanum? Laudanum. Which was... Discussed in a, uh, it's an opiate. Well, yeah, it's what, uh, Jane Topin used. Laudanum? Laudanum, yeah. That was one of the I things that she used. I thought she used morphine and atropine. I want to say she used laudanum once. I don't think she did. Or maybe I'm confusing somebody else. I think you're confusing somebody else. I don't know. Dude, I've been perusing my serial killer encyclopedia lately. Yeah, Jane Topin used morphine and atropine. Who the fuck am I thinking of that used laudanum? I'll figure it out later. Okay. We'll co- we'll cover them next year, whoever it is. I'll, I bookmarked the page. I'll bookmark it. So, so laudanum is an opiate most commonly used to treat pain. It was regularly provided to patients. Insulin shock therapy, which plays patients in comas, and electroconvulsive therapy, or shock treatment, were also employed by the staff. Yeah, they basically, like, burned out people's pancreases doing this shit. This is insane. This is horrific. During this time, the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum began performing experimental lobotomies. The hospital performed over 4,000 lobotomies. They were regularly used to treat medical disorders or mental disorders because they interrupted the neural connections in the brain's prefrontal cortex, which ultimately stole the patient's personality and left him without effect. I think they maxed out one day at like, or in a year, 158 lobotomies. Jesus. I mean, it was a lobotomy factory up in there. That's enough to make your brain hurt. (laughs) Jesus. Patients at the asylum underwent transorbital lobotomies, crudely known as ice pick lobotomies, which involved the insertion of an ice pick-like instrument into the eye socket until it connected with brain tissue. They basically put it in the corner of your eye. Yeah, and it just, like, went through. And it just... They take a, I mean, it's it's a literal fucking ice pick, and they just take a mallet and just click. No. Oh, my God. That's awful. And I think they pull out, like, parts of your brain through your nose and shit, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's another one. 
Dr. Walter Freeman popularized the procedure and brought it to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, where he conducted lobotomies for $25 per patient and encouraged crowds to watch as if it were a theatrical presentation. He is the godfather of lobotomies. And when we do the, the episode on it, we'll definitely probably just make it about him. Oh, for sure. Almost all patients who underwent the procedure were completely altered, often unable to provide even basic self-care, and many died during lobotomy. They were horrific, brutal, and all too frequently ended or irreversibly changed lives. But you lose your sense of self. You're, you lose everything. You're just not there anymore. You're, you're a husk. shell. Yeah, you're a shell of a human. As the asylum declined, hundreds of patients suffered at the hands of overworked staff in an overcrowded building. Plenty of patients suffered at each other's hands, too. A few of these incidents include setting fires, attempted hanging, which led to a murder with the bed frame, and one nurse even went missing, only later to be found dead at the bottom of a set of unused stairs. And there was a ton of suicides and shit. Oh, like I can pe- only imagine. People just taking their own way out. While some people eventually left the asylum under their own power, many died there. The staff notified next of kin when a patient passed away, and in many cases, families did not return to identify or take the bodies for burial. Patients who were not claimed by their families were assigned a number, buried in the cemetery, and issued a simple gravestone reflecting only their identification number. Over time, many of the gravestones were removed and even repurposed. Today, there's virtually no way to identify the bodies buried at the asylum. Patients were always buried. They were never cremated. According to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum official website, there are about eight resident spirits living? Inhabiting. Yeah, I wouldn't say calling it home. What the hell was that? What was that? That was the street sign. Oh, Lucy. Thank you, Lou. You just scared the shit out of everybody up here. As you're talking Bro. about. I, I'm tempted to leave Bro. that in. That scared the fuck out of me. And we were talking about ghosts and Lucy's just crashing into shit. She just knocked down a fucking Halloween decoration, everyone. God. You want to you just restart? No, no that's fine. I feel like that's you fine. need to leave that in there. Okay, I'll, I'll leave that in. Damn you, Lucy. So, eight spirits inhabiting Trans-Allegheny. I have one spirit living here. Right? Damn you, Lucy. I have one malevolent that's spirit. That's why she's an intern. <sighs> Lucy, with that kind of attitude, sweetheart, you're never going to be able to get upgraded or get promoted, baby. Mm. I don't think she cares. She gives she, zero fucks. She does not care. She's looking, mean, she's looking at us like, did I do that? Did I do that? Mm-hmm. So, the asylum was purchased about a decade ago by the family of Rebecca Jordan. And she says it didn't take long before the asylum spectral patients paid a visit to her. 
While giving a tour of the facilities, she felt someone grab her shoulder and squeeze. A few ghosts are known to the staff by first name, including Lily, a playful child to believe have spent her entire life at the hospital. She's known for her laughter and interest in playing games, and some reports of balls rolling on their own near her room suggest she's an active part of the asylum community. Her story is so fucking sad. So the the background kind of rumor of her origin story is her mother was admitted to the asylum while she was pregnant, and they gave birth to like her mom gave birth to her there. And then she died at the age of nine of pneumonia. Oh, that sucks. So all she ever knows is this this fucking hellhole. That's awful. Dean, who was the patient that was murdered by the two other patients he shared a room with, they attempted to hang him. But when that failed, they placed his head under a bed frame and jumped on it until the bed frame touched the floor. So that's awful. They basically just gave him a uh, backroom lobotomy through the side of his head. That's awful. Mm-hmm. Dean has been known to spend time in the room where he was brutally murdered. That's even worse, dude. So portals to hell. Uh, Jack Osborne show. I there. actually enjoy that show. I like it better than Ghost Adventures. If you want me to be completely honestly, honest. yeah, and I also. It's maybe a hot take, but I also enjoy Ghost Brothers. I'll give you that one. I like Ghost Brothers. I think they're so funny. And, like, the fact that they just record on their iPhones walking around homes, like, bro. I love it. It's it's ridiculous. But Portals Ghost to Brothers. Hell went to uh, this Trans- asylum. Yeah, Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. And they set up a REM pod in Dean's room. Yeah. And actually got an intelligent, like, no interaction. Way. It's it's fucking crazy. Uh, if you have Discovery Plus, go watch it. Uh, Jack Osborne's putting out great shit. So. Other experiences include a multitude of shadow people, objects moving on their own, disembodied voices and cries, bangs on the walls, breaking glass, and other things. I want to say there's a ghost named Ruth. Also, that uh, stays on the first floor. Mm-hmm. And when she was alive, apparently it's documented that she throws. She was known for throwing shit around. And literal just have, shit or just like, like things? Just things. Not literal it, shit. But listen, it, I feel a, like you, that's an important distinguishment that I need to make. So, yeah, she didn't throw actual feces at anybody that I know of, maybe. Um, but as the story goes, like she was. She was known for throwing temper tantrums and throwing things, objects, and she still does that on the first floor. She's consistent. I mean, every floor of this establishment is haunted. For sure. So much, like, pain. And... uh, Really, think about it. It opened in 1868. Yeah. And it didn't close until 1994. 19 that's over a hundred years it's It's like what 130 not quite 130 years yeah almost yeah so the amount of death in this place there's three full cemeteries 
in this place of people that just never came and picked up bodies. Unmarked, essentially. Uh, no, they're marked. A lot of them are. It wasn't like any mass grave situation. No, There's but some unmarked. But it says some like got repurposed. Uh, the gravestones. Yeah, that's true. So like, probably more than three cemeteries worth. We don't know. It's true. Isolation was so terrible that patients would do just about anything to get out of it. One story in particular is especially surprising. A former boxer who suffered from head injuries during his career that left him violent and emotionless attempted to beat down the metal door that isolated him. He ended up ripping the door off of its hinges, leaving visible dents in the steel. When he finally got the door off, he handed it to one of the nurses and calmly returned to his room. The rooms were used most for isolation, tend to have violent energies attached to them. With visitors reported being pushed or scratched, as well as disembodied voices saying, get me out of here. In a building brimming with stories of torture, neglect, and desperation, it's no wonder tales of ghosts running amok are a part of the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum's rich tapestry. So, this place, to me, like, when I think back of every horror movie I've ever seen that Mm. takes place in, like, an asylum, and I know Christian's rolling her eyes right now, because one of my favorite films is the remake of A House on Haunted Hill. Mm-hmm. That's like you've talked about this before. We clearly know that Christian does not like she that. Hates movie. It. Oh, I don't but like that movie. That's what this makes me. It think might of. be on my top list of least favorite horror movies. Uh, the other one that I like is um, uh, Grave Encounters. Yeah. So it's like making fun of uh, Zach Bagans type. Then they go into the insane asylum and the ghosts just fucking murder them all. It, it lobotomized one of them, spo- I feel like. Spo- yeah, one of them got lobotomized. Yes. But He's going to get better. Yeah, he, sh- he makes an appearance in the sequel, believe it or not. Spoiler alert. Hmm. We, on a I movie that's started, over 10 years old. I think we started the sequel and I fell asleep through it. I like the sequel. I don't know. I fall asleep through a lot of I stuff. wish they would make a third one. It was that good. I, I like it. But... <laughs> The sequel to House on Haunted Hill remake is good, too. Terrible. And that brings in, like, a whole bunch of weird shit into it. Yeah, that house is right above the Lost Phillies murder Mm -hmm. house. Yeah, we talked about that on that episode, yeah. On the original uh, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Not the remake. The remake was, like, a weird CGI house type of thing. But what are your ladies' thoughts on the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum? I think we should take a field trip. Yes. I'm down. It's an hour and 49 minutes away from Beckley. What's Ooh, that? That's my up. hometown. Yeah. Oh. So that's where I was born. Didn't grow up there, but that's where I was born. Um, I'm down with that. We, we should do a whole thing next year. So September, you have the Mothman Festival. Well... We can go see his, you the know. Moth Boys do Cryptid Bash. Assets. Yeah. Well, the Mothman, I'm not sure if it's in September. I think it is. But I know the Flatwoods Monster Day is today. No uh, way. We're recording this. Cool. Um, so today's the 12th. So this is Flatwood Monster Day. And 
There's a whole bunch of other shit. September sixteenth to the seventeenth is the Mothman Festival. There you go. So, so we can go up there around this time next year and rub elbows with people in the cryptid community. I'm down with that. That'd be I'm fun. dressing up as Mothman. As you should. Sexy, Eric can say his sexy Mothman. He can say his favorite line. I love lamp. Yeah, I'm just gonna dress up as a lamp. Yeah. <laughs> or, can you actually, be the leg lamp? I think I should dress up as a bridge. Because the Mothman hung out uh, on the Silver Bridge, and it collapsed. No, that's yeah. not his fault. He was just trying to warn everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. But yeah, I think uh, going to this place would be super cool and very fun. Just like the Jersey Devil that told everybody not to trust Ben Franklin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's how that story went. <laughs> it's, she wears her Jersey Devil shirt. It's an accurate statement. That's that's fine. You you just believe what you believe. Everybody going to look up like, like OG episode, like what is she talking about? Ben Franklin versus Titan <laughs> Jersey leads. Devil. Titan leads, but yeah. yes, yes, you're not wrong. Um, I, I just imagine a WD, WWE SmackDown between the Jersey Devil and Ben Franklin. <laughs> I honestly love that. Like it'd be a great show. It would be. I'd is buy is your brain just a fever dream at all times? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. I I, I worry about you sometimes. You should. I love you, but I do worry about you. Eh, you married me. I know. I picked a winner. So you knew. Your I life. picked a winner. But uh, any other thoughts or anything, ladies? Yeah, no. All right, Christian. You know what to do. Drop them socials. We are so thankful for you guys. Please make sure you guys are following us on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, everything, Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere where you can find podcasts at. If you find somewhere where we're not at, please let us know. We would like to know. Uh, Make sure you guys are downloading and sharing the show with each other. And if you have any suggestions of any things you want us to cover, please let us know. And we just love you guys. I will be building the list for next year, probably at the the midway point of October. So message us on Instagram. Send us emails at creepsinthecrypt at gmail.com um, with your suggestions and recommendations. Yes. I haven't decided what we're going to focus on for Summer of Slaughter. Oh, my gosh. Don't even it, talk about Summer of Slaughter. It might be just a grab bag of different serial killers i'm okay with that i I haven't decided yet um but we got a lot in between now and summer slaughter so we'll get that fleshed out first and as always guys stay spooky stay creepy and stay safe bye